great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? I am inside the press box uh, here in Highmark Stadium, which means Buffalo Bills season is officially back. Uh, We had the preseason opener here today, uh, and it was uh, a fun game from the perspective of we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next 30 or 40 minutes. We're really uh, excited about the the start of the football season. And, of course, this is Shout. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. Uh, we are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. The best burger deals in town are at Tops. With over 30 ready-to-grill burgers, Tops is the place to pick out the juiciest, most delicious burgers in town. From beef and turkey to chicken and veggie, you'll find something for everyone. Taste the flavors of the world with unique toppings and twists on the classic burger. What is up, Ryan? Hey, not too much, Matt. You know, uh, meaningless game in terms of the outcome, but there was a lot of meaningful football played for some players vying for a roster spot, uh, vying for a starting job today that we saw from the Bills. Yeah, and we're going to start with maybe not vying for a starting spot, which is kind of interesting, but vying for a very important job of backup to Josh Allen. That was Kyle Allen, Mm. who played into the third quarter today. And Matt Barkley, who closed down the show and kind of got the fire emoji going a little bit. I mean, Matt Barkley was superb, completed almost 95% of his passes in this game. And, you know, Sean McDermott was asked about the quarterback competition after the game, and he clarified that this is a competition. Matt Barkley is competing with Kyle Allen to see who is going to be the backup. You know, that's part of this. The other part of it is he clearly – you know, talked about an up and down day from the quarterback started with what we saw in the first half from Kyle Allen thought that, you know, obviously uh, couldn't get any rhythm. And then he mentioned Matt Barkley taking his hat off to him for getting the ball out quickly and getting into a rhythm in the second half. I mean, this is a continuation of what we saw in training camp from Kyle Allen. And I think, you know, it's concerning, but I also think this is why Matt Barkley's hung around here for so long is that he knows the system. You can you could trot him out there and at least know that even though that maybe athletically he's a little bit limited in what you can do with him. I mean, there were a couple of uh, balls that were maybe if you're going against a first team defense on an NFL Sunday, it's not going to go well, but he can go out there and execute what you need him to do. Yeah, no, I mean, that's perfectly said. And listen, if you would have told me months ago after they signed Kyle Allen uh, that there would be a QB2 controversy between him and Matt Barkley, I probably would have rolled my eyes. Uh, But we saw at camp, we saw Matt Barkley get some reps with the second team, uh, Kyle Allen get some reps with the third and vice versa throughout camp. And then you get to today's game and you see the level of comfort that Matt Barkley has in this system. And when I say this system, it's not just Ken Dorsey's system. There's a lot that they carried over from Brian Dable. So he knows the ins and outs of this. And it showed uh, knowing his reads, knowing who to get the ball to, spreading it around all those depth receivers, having a really nice performance. Uh, And then on the alternate side of it, you have Kyle Allen, you know, first throw. It seemed like it was off time a little bit, uh, almost intercepted. He had the bad interception that went off of Tyrell Shaver's hands, but 
going back and looking back at that play, I think you can pin it uh, is just as much on Kyle Allen for where that ball was placed. Uh, it looked like they had it kind of drawn up well, but just the ball placement, everything else went wrong on that play. But it, you don't just want to get hung up on their stat lines in one game before you start saying, well, this is Matt Barkley's job to lose or Kyle Allen can't kind of uh, cut it here. Allen's still learning the system. He's still trying to get comfortable with it. And listen, Matt Barkley, as great as he was today, he was going against a lot of third-team, fourth-team type players on that Colts roster that will not be on the 53-man roster or any 53-man roster, for that matter, uh, come cutdown time. So there's a lot of factors to weigh in. Does Barkley deserve to be in a competition for the QB2 job after his performance today? Absolutely. But let's kind of wait and see how these next two weeks play out. Uh, if Barkley gets some second team reps, how does he handle playing against some guys that are going to make some rosters across this league? Yeah. And I, I, I do agree with what you're saying about this, where map, who Matt Barkley was playing against, but I do think the inability of Kyle Allen to even like show any, like he played with the starters early yeah. on. And I know he was going up against, you know, starters for the Colts as well. But that was an opportunity, I felt like, for him to just kind of show a little bit of progress. And some of the throws that he made, I mean, that one to Trent Sherfield that was almost intercepted, I mean, that's just a bad, bad decision. It's a bad throw. It's one of those ones that, like, you know, that's one of the plays where he got the ball out of his hands and it didn't even matter. So I think that as you move along here, I think the Bills will have to make a decision and whether or not they want to bring somebody else into the mix or, you know, continue to, you know, Put, put Kyle Allen in the practice squad and then roll with Matt Barkley as a backup if you need him and hope that time, you know, in the building gets him to a place where you feel comfortable. And listen, we've talked about this on the show a lot, Ryan, over the years. Like my, my take on backup quarterback is well documented. I'm not as concerned about it as most only because, sure, I think if you could find somebody like a Mitchell Trubisky that can kind of right the ship for a couple of weeks, it's a great spot to be in. It's hard to do consistently every year because you know you have to pay those guys and the bills don't have a lot of money to throw around so i think from that perspective you're going to have to kind of just roll the dice with somebody that might be a little bit less than what you want and if josh allen misses any kind of extended time it's going to be a bad spot anyway yeah that's just it if you look across the landscape of this league not just buffalo most teams probably don't have a QB2 that if they had to play meaningful reps, multiple games that uh, would be able to win the majority of them or even split. Uh, there's a lot of bad quarterback play in terms of the QB2 position across this league because there's, you know, there, there's not even 32 great quarterbacks in this league, let alone 64 of them. So you're going to run into this problem a lot. Uh, Kyle Allen, though, has left a lot to be desired this summer between training camp and this first preseason game. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I want to see how this plays out over the next two weeks in the preseason because Barkley is as much of a fan favorite as he is, as much of a favorite of Josh Allen as he is. You said it. There's limitations to his game. If he's going against starting defensive backs, a lot of those passes that were kind of floating out there, I'm not sure they would have uh, met their intended target. So at the end of the day, if Josh Allen goes down for an extended period of time, this team's probably in trouble, but you can say the same for most teams, as I said. Um, this is a really good time to sign up to become a Buffalo Bills Shout Insider. Um, text 716-528-6727. Uh, is that right? Did I do the number right? 
I thought I had it memorized, Ryan. Like that would be five two eight six seven two seven. I believe six seven two seven. I did say it right. Look at me. I think it's locked in. I think it's it's committed to memory. Seven one six five two eight six seven two seven. You text that number. You get a two week free trial right now. Three ninety nine a month after that. And what's going to happen is the best day to have it is on you know game day and then into that second day where you know I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch this game probably tomorrow morning. Uh, maybe Monday morning. I'll have more thoughts on all these. Uh, different players because watching it live I mean we all get that first watch through and then getting a chance to really dive into it you know our, our takes will kind of crystallize and I thought you know Sean McDermott was asked about Dane Jackson who only played a couple of snaps and obviously he ended it on a high note and he was beaming in his locker after the game because it's like there's not a lot of times where you get to walk off in a game like that and then go to the sideline and get to you know watch the rest of the game and it was a big time play he started the game uh, opposite Tredavious White, which I think is where about we're all starting in this competition with the preseason starting here, despite how good I think Kyrie Elam's been in, in training camp. Um, Sean McDermott said he wanted to get a long look at the young corners today, Kyrie and Christian Benford. I don't know about you, but I don't know how much they did to maybe alter the idea that Dane Jackson is the safest player at that spot. Like I've been really pushing up against this um, over the last couple of weeks as, as Kyer Elam was ascending uh, during camp. But the more I think about it, the more I just wonder if they take a play like that, that Dane Jakes, Dane Jackson makes right place, right time, just dependable kind of player. Even DeMar Jack or DeMar Hamlin said after the game, Dane Jackson always is a guy that kind of make, makes plays. If that's just enough that pushes him into that really comfortable spot I, I think that he did more than enough today in that one drive like you said you know the interception came on a high pass from Anthony Richardson Saran Neal deserves credit for pressuring him on that play uh, but Dean Jackson you know a veteran cornerback he, he was eyes on the QB uh, he broke off of his receiver and you know all he did was he read the play saw the high pass and then he pulled that down so in this cornerback competition Dane Jackson goes, you know, one for one, essentially, in his lone drive in terms of making a big play for this team, getting to watch watch the rest of it off on the sidelines. I watched Christian Benford. Benford had the strongest end of training camp. Um, I, I I noticed him out there on the special that top special teams unit with Saran Neal on that play where they downed it within the seven. That doesn't mean that you can end up winning this job, but that was noticeable to me. And then in the case of Elam, Elam did not do himself any favors, man. At the end of training camp, what were we talking about? He can be too handsy at times. And I thought the majority of that rep where he was penalized for, for defensive pass interference was pretty good. But it was that last tug on the jersey of the receiver that those officials are going to call nine out of ten times. And, and if there's one thing Sean McDermott will not tolerate, it's penalties that extend drives. And we can get into this later. The Bills were kind of sloppy today, too, uh, overall. But that play is not going to help Elam at the end of the day in this competition. Yeah, and I mean, if you're putting those two plays next to each other, Elam's pass interference and, and um, Benford's, Benford commits the penalty and still allows the guy to make a catch. And I think that when you're in a spot like that, that's just so debilitating for a defense. And I think we're at the stage of this competition where – one of these younger guys has to really have a great performance in one of these next two preseason games. Mm. Ryan, I think we're in a spot where they might not play Dane Jackson the rest of the time. They know what they have in them. 
I think Trey White gets probably shut down as well. And you kind of just roll those two guys into the opener. And I, I didn't think I was going to be here after this game. But watching them, like when, when, when Kyrie Elam goes into off coverage, you could just, you can feel the level of discomfort that he has in that position. And although they could probably play more looks that way, uh, having him be up at the line of scrimmage, having him play press man, he's still going to have to fit into what they want to do as a whole. And I think just that trepidation that still kind of exists there, there's a lot of work that he has to do. And I just don't know. I think they might want to just see what it looks like with the pass rush that we saw today. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, just letting that kind of rot roll and then keeping your safe option in, in Jackson out there. And you know, that's perfectly fine at the end of the day, because if you are going to be more aggressive on uh, the back end or, you know, or just in general with your defense, you want to make sure that on the back end you have players that know their responsibilities, know their roles, don't give up the big play, uh, keep things in front of them. That's exactly what Dane Jackson's going to do. Uh, you and I were both kind of pushing this summer, hoping to see one of these younger cornerbacks make a play for it. Not that Dane Jackson is an old player by uh, any means, but you, you know, you invested a high pick in Elam. Benford came in and started last year as a late round pick, but it looks like it, after at least one preseason game, Dane Jackson has kind of put a strong grip on that cornerback two job. And it's going to be up to one of those two guys, Benford or Elam to really impress in the last two preseason games to even have a chance to maybe unseat him. Uh, I want to get to the defensive line here really quick, because I mean, there were some really eye opening, eye opening performances today across the defensive line. And the two guys that I have uh, a very direct arrow up on are Boogie Basham and Tim Settle. I thought there was one series where it was exactly what you'd want from both of those guys. Pass rush, run defense, all in a you know a consistent uh, bucket, if you will, that led to a three and out. And you know, I was talking to Boogie after after the game, and he's just like he's so zeroed in on what his goal is this season to be better, to take one game at a time. I know it's so easy to say that, but it's also another thing to to act that way. And it's almost like I got the sense that nothing about what happened today was a surprise to him. And that's where I think you want him to be for him to start like ascending to a different level himself. And so I think this was a huge day for Boogie Basham, the sack uh, tackle for a loss in the run game. Tim settle got the start in place of Daquan Jones and looked every bit of the part of a disruptor that we thought we were going to see from him last year. You and I talked a lot about that. And then at Oliver, I mean, there was one play where Anthony Richardson was, you know, get like just trying to get rid of the ball as fast as he can to, to kind of avoid that at Oliver pass rush. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think the starting D line left something to be desired with a few of the players, but uh, you know, you mentioned at Oliver had that splash play, but Tim settles uh, throughout the entire time that he was on the field was a difference maker. And we talked about how, how good he looked at training camp uh, this summer. Then he was sidelined for a few days with an injury comes back and, you know, he, he plays the way that he did today in this matchup where he was really a Jersey uh, tug away from having back to back sacks on consecutive plays. After the first sack, he had Minshew again by the Jersey, just couldn't finish the play, but the bills cleaned it up with a sack of their own. Boogie Basham, you mentioned at the sack, the run stop, he flashed on screen. After a somewhat quiet training camp, that's exactly the type of performance that he needed to stay in the mix as a depth option at defensive end for this team. 
if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, welcome into the show. We're 300 watching on this uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, take it in the Bills first preseason game. And, you know, one of the competitions that's going to really heat up here over the next couple of days. And I, I'm very interested to see how the Bills approach this. Terrell Bernard, little update from Sean McDermott. He basically said, listen, this is a hamstring injury. We know what, how, how serious those injuries are, especially at this time of a year when you're, you're not only trying to get back, but then when you get back to a place where you can play, you know, it might not even be back at a full, at hundred percent. You might not be the same version of yourself for a little while as you're working back. So Terrell Bernard, you know, you almost feel like this is a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Tyrell Dotson, but I have a very direct arrow down on Tyrell Dotson for today. And listen, We'll see. This was one game, and I don't want to overreact to it, but I thought from you know a pursuit perspective, from taking on angles where he was in coverage, he just left a lot of, to be desired, and it didn't really matter, and I felt like you were facing a rookie quarterback. He made a couple of mistakes, but there were opportunities in this game to really clamp the door down that I felt like Tyrell Dotson was involved in maybe a couple of plays where if he makes a play, it gets them off the field at a, at a couple of different spots. Whereas opposed to Dorian Williams, the rookie, uh, not Ooh. not competing at middle linebacker, but he's look he's looking like a buzzsaw out there on the outside. He's you know pursuing, taking good angles, flying to the football. A very stark contrast in those two players, and I know it's tough because you need somebody to do everything: run the defense, call the defense, and then make big plays. That's a lot to put on Dorian Williams' plate. But man, two guys today that I just left with with different feelings on yeah and, and Dotson did have one run stop today it was him and Demar Hamlin combining for a run stop uh but for the most part like you said he left a lot to be desired I felt like I, I don't want to say he was out of position but he wasn't necessarily where he needed to be on a given play and the pursuit and the angles where to that contrast I was blown away by the angles that Dorian Williams was taking for a rookie uh to take those angles to make those plays and in, in pursuit to get into the backfield or to get right to the line and make plays. I was very, very impressed with Dorian Williams in his preseason debut. You can see why the coaching staff and the front office uh, loved this guy when they met him during the pre-draft process. Uh, so whatever it is that kind of kept him out of that middle linebacker competition this summer, probably again, getting used to the system, getting comfortable with it, everything else. He at least showed up at the, the outside linebacker job in a big time way in his debut. So Really nice day for Dorian Williams, whereas Tyrell Dotson just didn't do enough to make me think that this competition was over from a play perspective. But if Bernard's hamstring is something that's going to take a few weeks to get him back into action, uh, it looks like Dotson by default is going to win this job. Yeah, I mean, Balen Spector finishes this game with one tackle, uh, AJ Klein, one tackle, not a lot of stats to speak of, and honestly, some, you know, forgettable uh, plays for when they were in the game in general. I felt like the the offense moved the ball pretty well uh, at times late in the game for, for the Colts. And the specter part of this conversation is it's puzzling because it, I felt like he went into training camp on this super interesting trajectory as somebody that can make things really ugly in the middle linebacker competition and he gets one day and they pluck him completely out of it, which makes me wonder like, what was he doing up to that point? What did they see in those few days there that made them about face? And, you know, Sean was asked about him after the game today. 
Uh, and it's funny how quickly he just kind of like went to AJ Klein and then kind of finished to just say one nice thing about Balin. And it's just almost like he's, he's be- become a forgotten guy to the point where now I don't even know if he makes this roster, Ryan. Mm, wow. I, I still think he makes the roster, but it, it is interesting. Whatever happened that you and I both thought that his day with the starting team went fairly well. He made some plays. He was communicating but then he just got removed from the competition. It's funny. Had he never been given those first team reps, uh, who knows what we would have thought about his summer and things of that nature. But all of a sudden he disappears from that. And now he gets the, that type of comment where we've, we've heard that from McDermott before you ask about a specific player and he says one thing and then he kind of pivots to, but the rest of the guys or, but you know, the player X, Y, and Z also did these nice things. And it's interesting because, you know, Spectre has an opportunity to be that middle linebacker backup. Uh, had he had a great preseason, you know, it's hard to leapfrog a player that's injured like Bernard, but it would have at least put him in that competition. And now you're right. You're, you're left kind of scratching your head. Like, you know, what happened? What did I miss? Why is he, you know, go from getting first team reps to getting pulled after one attempt in that area uh, was a player that was kind of running around the field with his hair on fire. I think he still makes this roster, but I just don't know if he contributes as much as I once thought. And, you know, speaking of contributing, I, I thought, you know, we talked about the depth wide receivers um, late in the Ooh. game when Matt Barkley had it going, Tyrell Shavers, um, Keyshawn Johnson, Desmond Patman, all three guys we could talk about here in a minute, but I want to start with Andy Isabella because Listen, we got to figure out what's going on here. Is this a one of those Duke Williams type, type situations where a guy comes in, hasn't had success in the league? I mean, really, remember Duke Williams is a great example of somebody that had this really good past history, was a higher end, uh, didn't end up being, a high, I don't think, a high draft pick, but had a lot of um, cachet at one point as a prospect, and then it just never worked out in the, in the NFL. He went to the CFL, becomes this camp darling, this preseason fan favorite. I feel like Isabella is trending in that direction, and he's a little bit different in that you you mentioned it on a recent show. It's just he just hasn't had a lot of opportunities. But when you watch him play, there it's almost like you see like a supercharged version of Cole Beasley and the potential of what that could be in this offense. The route that he ran, it was really simple today on a crossing route uh, to get open, to kind of lull the defender into a little bit of uh, a, a daze before he made a move, makes the catch, and then gives you that run after the catch. This is a really fun player that, listen, I don't know if he can make a run at the 30 uh, or at the 53. He ends up with Three catches for 42 yards, and one of those was for 30 yards, most of which came after the catch. And I just start thinking about the possibility, and maybe that can be Deontay Hardy in this offense. But, man, wouldn't you hate, if you're a Bills fan, to lose him if you cut him, somebody else signs him, and then he picks up picks up and becomes that version of himself. Um, this is a very interesting kind of storyline to track over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Isabel is so interesting because when he first joined the Cardinals, they still had Larry Fitzgerald, they had Christian Kirk, uh, and then they had a, a plethora of other guys kind of in the mix. So a little bit buried on the depth chart, despite being a high draft pick. Quarterback play wasn't good there. He joins the Ravens last year. We know the quarterback play wasn't great in Baltimore. Now he joins a, a team that has Josh Allen and we saw him get worked up with the second team offense at times during training camp. 
uh, after joining the team, you know, late in the summer. So to, to adapt that quickly, to get uh, a good grasp of the playbook that quickly is impressive. And then, you know, today he was lined up against a linebacker and a hundred times out of a hundred, Isabella should win that off the line. And sure enough, a nice little movie gets open, but it was after the catch that I loved. It was the speed. You can't teach speed, Matt. And he turned up the jets going down the left side of, of the sideline cut in to, to kind of take on some contact to pick up some extra yards. Uh, that was a big play for this offense. And, he can do that. He could be, you know, if you don't want him to or miss out on him, you could use him as a gadget type player, use that speed, uh, kind of an Isaiah McKenzie type role. But it comes down to how many wide receivers can you really carry on this team? Uh, who are you comfortable carrying after your your top five? I see a lot of comments in here about where was Justin Shorter today. Uh, Shorter was not among those depth receivers that really showed out and had a big day today. But Isabella was impressive in terms of where he, you know, how long he's been here and how much he's picked up this offense. Uh, if you want to pick up something cool, why don't you head over to topsmarkets.com for the exclusive Six Flags Darien Lake evening passes. Uh, they're available for purchase at any Tops checkout today for $29.99 plus tax. Evening passes are valid for park admission after 5 p.m. only. Don't miss the Laser Light Summerfest presented by Tops. Plus, you can save time and skip the line with your Tops Bonus Plus card. Show your Tops Bonus Plus and skip the lines at Darien Lake Amphitheater Concerts. Offer not available to purchase at Six Flags Darien Lake. Valid specific operating days, May 20th through September 3rd. Where do you want to go next, Ryan? What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Well, let's really quickly talk about some of those other depth wide receivers, you know, specifically Tyrell Shavers. What a roller coaster of a day for Shavers. You and I kind of talked him up at times at training camp about uh, how how he flashed at times. Then he comes in and he has a bad drop. He has that interception where I think it's a 50-50 split on who deserves the blame between Kyle Allen and Shavers. And you're like, this is the exact opposite of what we saw from him. And then all of a sudden, he gets open for a touchdown. He gets open right. downfield. He draws a deep defensive pass interference penalty where if he had not been interfered with, we might be talking about Tyrell Shavers having two touchdowns on the day. And, you know, that's the type of performance that, 
yes, it did not end on or did not start on a high note, but the coaching staff is going to say, okay, he was responsible for us getting two touchdowns. He had one of his own and he got us in position for the, the ladder. Um, he, he made some key, key grabs and maybe it was nerves and he still has a long way to go to make this roster. But if he can replicate the latter part of his performance today in these last two preseason games, it's going to be a really tough decision for them to make. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because we were just talking about Isabella and if they really liked him, like getting into the mix for seven, I think Shavers to me is a practice squad guy. And mm-hmm. I, I think the hands are going to be something that they're a concern. I wrote that in the insider text group today. Uh, to somebody asking me uh, a follow-up after we talked a little bit about Shaver's touchdown. And I just think that you have to be dependable. And I'm going to combine this with another topic because Tyrell Shavers has this big-time play, and in a way it felt like it overshadowed the two drops, right? Now, when you go back and watch the tape of that, I'm not necessarily sure that that is going to be the case because Khalil Shakir had two really nice plays in this game today. But the one drop that he had on third and five that would have been for a first down to me brings down his, you know, grade, if you will, considerably for what he did in this game. And, you know, one of the things, too, that people ding Gabe Davis so much for from last season was the uh, reliability as a pass catcher. All the drops, the drop rate was the highest, highest it has been for him in the league. The same thing goes for Shavers and Shakir for me. And that's why uh, for Sh- for Shakir, I'm going to give the arrow down because this is year year two. I think Shavers being able to bounce back in your first NFL game, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more lenient and we'll watch that closely. And again, there's a different level of athleticism to Shavers' game. We watched it in training camp, the way that he can kind of separate and you know his ability to move at the line of scrimmage, it's very intriguing. He's got to figure out the hands, and maybe that's why he didn't get drafted. But yeah, Shakir, big thumbs down today for Shakir. Yeah, last thing on Shavers, he he was an elite gunner in college. That could be some angle, but I, I agree with you. Practice squad is more likely. Khalil Shakir was kind of like the opposite Shavers. You mentioned that first grab where he uh, elevated and gra- plucked the ball out of the air the way he did was an outstanding catch. Then he had one uh, that was highly contested, and he, and he calls that in. But then that the third attempt in his direction was right on the money. He would have caught it and and gone off to the sidelines for a first down, and he just dropped it. And, you know, the the big difference, too, between a guy like Shavers and a guy like Shakir is this was a fifth-round draft pick of the Bills last year that a lot of people thought was an absolute steal at where they ended up getting him. A lot of people who thought uh, he might have a decent-sized role in this offense, and maybe he still will. It's too early to say that he won't. Uh, But drops like that are are going to – frustrate this coaching staff the bills were second in drops last year they're trying to eliminate as much of that as they can it's why they drafted a guy like dalton kincaid with with as sure hands as you can get it's why they added some of the receivers that they did in the offseason uh but a a drop like that after two terrific catches is going to leave a kind of a bad taste in the coaching staff's mouth when they're looking at that, because those are the easy ones that you're supposed to haul in that you're supposed to catch uh, to keep your drives moving. Even last year in that playoff game against Miami, he should have hauled in a a 50 plus yard pass. It really was uh, in his hands and he dropped it. And if you can't trust a player to step up in big moments, it's going to get be hard to get them on the field consistently. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of getting on the, the field consistently, uh, let's spend a little bit of time on the offensive line because it was yeah. interesting. Sean talking about after the game, wanting to give an opportunity to Osiris Torrance. And, you know, for the most part, again, I think it's really hard to evaluate this. Um, I, I didn't think there was any times that I noticed him getting completely blown up, which I think is a really good thing. I want to go back and, and kind of watch the performance, zero in on him a little bit more to see how he held up. And Sean reserved uh, judgment as well. He wanted to go kind of take a look at the tape. We'll get a chance to talk to him tomorrow, and maybe he'll have some some feedback on Torrance's game. But I think this was a, a big step for him. And I think that you come out of this – knowing that outside of a couple of just goofy plays on Kyle Allen's part, I mean, that one play where he turned around at one point and I thought he was going to get sacked and he somehow got out of that. Then he almost threw an interception on the play. It was like, it was a while I tweeted. It was quite the journey that we all went on together watching him try to get out of that sack. But I think this is a, a good moment for, for Osiris Torrance and maybe a little bit of an indication of where they're thinking. I mean, forcing the issue a little bit, like it feels even more like Ryan Bates to me is like, a very good comp to a Dane Jackson, right? Somebody that's been in the system for a while, undrafted guy that they traded for Dane Jackson's a seventh round pick, but same kind of concept, you know, veteran guys that have been in the system for a while that now there's a young, talented early round draft pick nipping at their heels. And I, I've never seen the bills willing to kind of move off of Dane as aggressively as they did today on Bates moving him to like the second team center. Now, you know what you have in him in, in right guard, but I thought that was interesting. And, you know, going and seeing how he did is going to be a big determiner of how they go forward and, and view this competition. Yeah. And part of me wonders if the fact that they were really, you know, going with the run early on was to see how Torrance looked in that role. And I thought the offensive line, the starting line as a whole did really well on that first drive short field after the Dane Jackson interception, uh, to opening up lanes for James Cook. Cook was running it well up the middle. And then on that touchdown run, it was on the other side, uh, considering Otor Osiris Torrance was at right guard. But great job by Trent Sherfield and Dawson Knox to really seal that side uh, with terrific blocks for him to get into the end zone. But Torrance held up very well in terms of run blocking. I thought he did a really nice job as well. Uh, and, and at least one of the pass blocking reps that I was watching him specifically on, uh, but again, I recorded the game. I'll go back and rewatch it as well and really key in on him every single play. I thought, though, it was a a plus day, though, or a, a check mark next to his name in terms of, hey, I wanted to see how he held up against the starting NFL uh, defensive line. And he did fairly well for that matter. Yeah, we got to talk about this tackle situation, Ryan, because after Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins, you know, Tommy Doyle goes down today. It's the same knee yeah. that he injured last year. Um, he's going to probably get that looked at. We don't have a definitive update on how serious that injury is. And that's a problem because the first guy off the bench today after Deion Dawkins was Ryan Vandemark playing opposite of Brandon shell. And I've liked Ryan Vandemark. I wrote about him a few times during training camp. Um, I thought at moments today, he looked a little bit overwhelmed to be honest, but I think just his standing in the pecking order is interesting. And David Questenberry being somebody that now appears to be on the third team. Um, Richard Garage, somebody that we talked about in camp two, didn't really get to get in the game till later. And then you move to the interior, a guy that they just spent a draft pick on, and Nick Broker. There was one play, Ryan, I think it was his first snap. It was Yikesville, man. Like he got absolutely blown off the ball. 
got pushed back three or four yards, gets like reverse pancaked. It was it was bad news bears. And like we saw that across a couple of plays um, or players on that on the second and third team offensive line. Do you know what they call a reverse pancake? What? Bisquick. It's the stuff that you use to make. Pan- okay, anyways, long day. I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> keep me in the show. Don't kick me out. All right. uh, oh, I'm in it. Good. Okay. So we're talking about the depth at this uh, offensive line. Ryan Vandemark. That was a surprise to me, Matt. The fact that we saw him come in with the second team at left tackle was not something I was expecting. It is bad as David Questenberry has been at times. He has a lot of reps in the NFL, uh, interior at guard, at, uh, also out at tackle. I thought that he would come out with that first team. But it goes back to what you were saying all training camp. The Bills really don't have much depth at tackle. Brandon Shell didn't do much this summer. Questenberry didn't do much. I like the fact that they put a young guy in there like Vandemark and did he have a, a great day? No. Uh, I, I don't know how many of these offensive tackles would have a great day. They have a lot of young, unproven players. They have arrow um, <laughs> down for tell with that joke. That's fair. That's fair. Um, they have a lot of question marks. And listen, if I'm the Bills, I am scouring the rosters, the roster cuts across the league at the end of the month here. Uh, when it comes time to every other team making their 50th man roster, I'm looking for veterans with experience, veterans that maybe have played under Cromer or would be a good fit in his system. Uh, maybe even swing a defensive end for an offensive tackle if there's a, a trade to be made out there, because as much of a controversy as there might be at quarter uh, QB2, I think the controversy at tackle depth is even more worrisome. I'll bounce back in. I had to give you, I had to give myself a timeout. That was arguably the worst dad joke that you've ever dropped <laughs> on this show. And I just needed a moment to collect myself. Um, so very good. Uh, we have some fun on this show. Hey, listen, I'm proud of you. You really handled yourself in that, you know, minute plus of just dead air time. Like you were just, you were, you were carrying it. So there you have it. Um, Listen, over 450 people watching on YouTube right now. You guys are awesome. Somebody smash that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. Uh, we really appreciate you subscribing to the channel. Uh, where should we finish up here, Ryan? Ooh, that's a great question. So we've already talked about corner. Oh, already- I know where we got to go next. Go ahead. Demar Hamlin. Oh, you know what? I had him in my article. Yeah. What a cool day for him. Um and for Buffalo, for the world that watched that just awful scene play out last year, and it was just crazy to see today because it's like all the buildup to this has been like, is he going to play? Is he going to play? And then even when Sean McDermott said he was going to play, was he really going to play? Or was it like you're going to throw him out there on special teams? Man, they put him out there, and I think it was the third series at safety after Micah Hyde came or maybe even been in the second series. And he comes in and he plays like the DeMar Hamlin of old. I mean, he, he's getting up there at the line of scrimmage, sticking his face mask in there, making a couple of tackles. I mean, he had three tackles before, uh, you know, he had played 10 plays. And so I, a really cool day. He was talking about how special it was for him afterwards. And it's uh, one of those cool moments. And I think based on today, like he, I know they listed him and Cam Lewis as that fourth safety on the depth chart. But Cam Lewis, as much as we like him on the show, obviously the UB product, his availability is always a concern. And so I think DeMar coming and having a game like this and 
really a confidence building type performance. It's huge for him. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick on Cam Lewis, Matt, on the broadcast today, they said they kept out Taryn Johnson because they didn't want to lose another, you know, player at that spot because they're already worried about losing Cam Lewis. Uh, I thought that was an interesting little nugget thinking maybe they really do like him as the backup to Taron Johnson. Maybe that's still his path to this roster and having the versatility to play safety. But Damar Hamlin, you know, they, they have him coming off the edge, making plays in the run game, getting getting in there. There was zero hesitation from Damar Hamlin today. If there was anyone thinking, okay, is he going to play with that same aggressiveness? Is there going to be any trepidation or hesitation? There was not. He was going after it. He was getting some big key run stops. He was credited, uh, I believe, on the fourth down run stop with getting in there first as well. So it was an awesome, first of all, just to see Hamlin out there on the field playing in an actual game against another team. But the, the fact that he went out there and made so many plays in his limited time on the field, uh, you know, that's almost like a, a storybook writing itself, despite it being a preseason game. Uh, I think he's kind of locked up that safety number four position. As you mentioned, availability is important, but they love what they have in Hyde, Poyer, and Rapp. But, man, Hamlin, what a day for him in his return. Um, I want to close out the show with Dalton Kincaid because, you know, going into this one, I think a lot of people thought, man, it's gonna this is going to be a fun day to kind of see how they utilize Dalton Kincaid. And, obviously, honestly, when he was in there, they mostly ran – the ball. <laughs> and so we didn't even, I'm actually looking here, Ryan, he didn't have one single target in this game, neither did Dawson Knox. And I'm wondering, sitting here thinking about it right now, it just came to me. How much of that do you think is by design? Because I think they want people to think the 12 personnel package, or maybe even New York to think that 12 personnel package is we are going to run you over. You're going to see Trent Sherfield out there, who was a key contributor to that James Cook touchdown run. Uh, we can talk about him in a moment as well. I almost wonder if this was if, we're, if this is one of the big looks we get at the first team offense. Obviously, without Josh Allen, we'll see. Maybe he'll play against the Steelers. Was that the situation where okay, they're going to run the ball when Dalton Kincaid and and and, and Dawson Knox are in there together, get ready for it, and then they're going to try to hit him with the pass. I could see that happening. And listen, we, we know how good Kincaid has been all summer. We know what he can do. Uh, he's not someone that you des- you necessarily have to showcase. I thought maybe they would try to get him a target or two. Uh, I Again, I have to go back and watch the game. I want to watch the James Cook touchdown specifically. It was on the other side of the field. But I do feel like Kincaid got uh, kind of, I don't want to say blown up on the play, but uh, he did not hold his block very well. And that's obviously the, the big concern or the only concern about him coming out is how is he as as a blocker? Uh, that was not something he, he really had to do much. And the only thing I'll say about that is the Bills didn't bring him in in the first round to be a blocker. They want him to be a pass catcher, uh, to be a difference maker, 12 personnel, lining him up in the slot, uh, what have you. But I will say that, you know, you look at the development of Dawson Knox as a blocker, I think in, in due time and a few seasons, Kincaid will at least be average in terms of holding his own in, in that regard. But you didn't see a lot of them, no targets, um, but you don't need to see him. You know, it, it's kind of like the same thing as I don't want to put him in the same tier as Gabe Davis or, or Stefan Diggs, obviously, but we know what Dalton Kincaid can do based on this training camp. It wasn't like he had a quiet summer. Uh, he was all over the field making plays for this offense. I, I anticipate him doing the same in season. I'm watching the play right now and uh, 52. I'm not sure the name, but the linebacker, kind of got engaged with Kincaid and kind of just like threw him off and you could it almost looks like he tosses him. 
But I will say, I will give Kincaid the credit that I think that he engaged him long enough, allowed Cook to get out there, and the linebacker wasn't able to get in and be a part of the play. So, yeah, as he's kind of developing that part of his game, I think that's going to be the emphasis for Rob Boris and Ken Dorsey is, listen, you're not going to win every 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 rep. At times, you're going to get out leveraged. You're going to get thrown aside. These are big dudes. They're powerful. But you got to do the best you can to sustain that block for as long as you can. And I actually think watching it back a few quick times here, that block was good enough to spring. Um, I think Sherfields was more important because he had to hold oh, yeah. um, the edge. But really, I, I don't have a big problem with that play. Oh, good. You know, because that was just at one quick glance. I thought I saw him kind of getting tossed aside, like you said. Uh, but I, I was also kind of watching Sherfield and Knox on that play and how they freed up the entire left side for uh, James Cook. So that, that is good to know that you think he did his job well enough to give Cook the daylight to get in the end zone. And like you said, as long as he can do his job well enough, uh, there will be times where he gets beaten, where he gets out leverage, where he gives up maybe a uh, tackle for loss. But as long as he's also contributing as a receiver, I think it's all going to weigh out on the positive side for the Bills. Yeah, it's a smart run play too because obviously Shearfield gets the corner. He gets a good block on him. Dawson Knox gets down to the next level, takes out what I believe is either the nickel or the safety, and they run to the opposite side of Darius Leonard which I feel like is the really smart way to attack that defense. So a really good play at that at that part in the game. And I, I just don't think that they were going to show a lot of their cards. I, I thought it was interesting too, Matt Barkley saying that Josh Allen took a little bit of a play caller role in this game and actually kind of saw that, play, that touchdown to Patman down in the left corner was one of those plays where uh, they were looking at the the iPads, I would imagine, and, and, and Josh Allen pointed it out. And Matt Barkley told him, listen, if we if we get it on a third down, I want you to get that in. I want you to call that play. And and little do we know that it worked for a touchdown. Worked for a touchdown and led to Josh Allen running out on the field and celebrating with Barkley. It was a cool moment, uh, especially after learning that he kind of called the play after just seeing something on the iPads. Uh, one of those neat little things between two really close friends. Um, one of our close friends is Tops Friendly Markets, and they have great deals on all of your local favorites. Check these out. Salem Smokehouse, three-pound bag of hot dogs, $11.99. You can get yourself a Salem's ham, $7.99 a pound. Great for sandwiches or just eat it right out of the wrapper. And then, of course, Perry's ice cream. Get yourself three for 12 right now at Tops. Do not wait any longer. I saw a question in here about Tops or about uh, Shout a Buffalo Bills text insider group you can join that group for a two-week free trial if you're in the u.s canada and i believe mexico so try it out we're working on getting this thing international uh we had a lot of folks in uh brazil uh the uk which we're going to in a couple of months uh that want to get involved in this but for right now it is uh the u.s and canada uh so text 716-528-6727 get your two-week free trial 399 a month after that we'll give you all of our thoughts on this game and much more, um, plenty of Bisquick at tops for Ryan. That is the case. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. See you. See you later, everybody.